Welcome back to the Luke Page Podcast. This week's episode got Tom Noski on. Uh, Tom helps creatives build powerful personal brands and turns their passions into profits. Uh, I might have slightly been a bit misleading in the title of this podcast just to intentionally hook you in how to turn your business into an overnight success story with Tom Noski. Um, if you're looking for an overnight success story, uh, it's probably not the best thing to look for. Um, it may happen to you, but what if you committed to a lifetime of your business? What if you just said, you know, I'm in this for life. I'm in this coaching business for life. And if things happen overnight, great, but I'm committing to it for life. It's a big switch of mindset. Um, and I know people are looking for things, and this is generally what people look for. They want things quick, easy, and cheap. Um, so hence why I kind of was a little bit misleading with the title of this to kind of hook more people in. The reason why I wanted to hook people in with this story is because Tom's story of um, him growing his business is more like how most successful people actually grow a successful business how generally the journey does go is like what tom goes through and um you learning about um how the things he's gone through the journey he's gone through to get his business to where it is uh, it's going to be probably a good story for you to hear um he's probably experienced all the things that you may be experiencing right now his business has really blown up in the last two years but he did go through a number of years where things weren't exactly working. He went through the, the times where he wanted to give up. He went through the times where he actually gave up. And then he went through the times where he made a return and, uh, you know, had a different perspective and things like that. And just all the lessons he's learned along the way. Yeah, there's um, there's just some really awesome knowledge bombs in this. So, um, yeah, Tom has had, has, has had an overnight success. Uh, it just didn't happen straight away. Um, it got to the point in his business where once he learned the lessons he needed to learn, once he built the, the strong foundation and the roots, then once that little stem started popping through the surface of the dirt, that's where it sprouted up really quickly. And uh, I will so I will mention with this recording, it was, it was pretty funny because um, I don't know why, but uh, well, I think my I do know why my computer um, kind of... St- died in the middle of recording this podcast so what happened was um when we were recording this tom's video and audio got recorded but um maybe 10 minutes in roughly 10 minutes into the podcast my audio and video stopped recording so um what i had to do is uh, to make this podcast episode i had to go back and um you know we had tom's audio but then whenever i spoke you, you, it wasn't recorded. So if that makes sense, so there's kind of gaps in the audio line from where I was speaking. So I had to go back and kind of remember what I said and kind of make up what to say in between the gaps of Tom speaking, but also not only reply to what he just said, but also lead him into the next question so he answers. So uh, I've had to go do that. So um, if you're listening to this at time, see if you can pick it. See, uh, because basically... After the seven to ten minute mark of my thing, I've actually re-recorded this, um, and it was recorded. I don't know if this makes sense to you, but it's like um, it's not recorded me live in the podcast. It's me listening to it and then kind of making up a question and then leading into the next thing. So that was an experience, mind you. So 
yeah, hopefully this uh, episode is is still fairly smooth and it kind of makes sense and it flows okay. But uh, see if you can pick it, but enjoy. All right, here we go. You're listening to the Luke Page Podcast, the number one podcast specifically made for coaches. Get ready for out-of-the-box conversations from the world's leading coaches and experts. We're going to be talking all things business, health, happiness, and just being the most amazing human being that you can. Why? Well, I ask, why not? You see, we're only here once. We've got one life, so let's make this thing count. I believe that we can have it all. All the money, all the love, all the joy, all the success, all the excitement. I'm here for all of it. And if you are too, then come along with me. Let's do this. Yeah. Mate, have you moved to Geelong, by the way? So I know we'll chat no, and see you yet. move over there. Yeah. Um, when are you moving? No, not yet. Moving in April. Um which would be good. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. We we love Geelong. Like my partner's from down there, and then we um, love Geelong. <laughs> the greatest team of all. I know. I'm gonna have to become a football supporter because I'm not uh, far from GMHBA Stadium. So yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really not that much of a football supporter. But now it's like it'd be rude not to. I mean, I live in Melbourne Jeez, currently mate. and don't even go to the MCG. So. Yeah, there um, you go. I reckon they'll throw you out of Geelong though if they find out that you don't go for Geelong. <laughs> I know, especially like I feel like where where I've moved is like I'm I'm surrounded by most of the players. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it'll be interesting, but I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I love it down there, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, even for we're pretty spoiled in Melbourne for my training, but down there yeah. it'll be pretty nice. Like. The Grayson Road will become my local long ride, long run destination. Yeah, which would be nice. So th- this is for all your um, kind of your marathon stuff, right? Mm. So yeah, have you yeah. got? Um, are you like fully into it now? Because I, I saw one oh, of your I videos where you um, through COVID. That's where you did your first one, I think. Um, so you like, is that? Yeah. It's, it's kind of your life now. You just love everything about it. To be honest, I was fully into it before I came back into content creation. So that was like, yeah, and, and I've always loved endurance sport i guess my whole life but i i got really heavily into that and then didn't lose it i just realized that it's unsustainable to do that whilst trying to build my brand but i always wanted Mm. to build i always wanted to do it in a way that i could include that as part of my brand which has then become a lot of my philosophy now around building a personal brand is it is the personal side of your brand um so now i'm in a place fortunately where i've (laughs) funnily enough like built my brand to the point where I can create content around those pursuits and it's applicable. Like I'm, I have just signed, I can't say who yet, but I've just signed as an athlete for a cycling company, which is like one of the craziest things. I'm now on the roster for an apparel company and stuff like that. So I'm this kind of like lifestyle athlete at the same time. So you're actually that good. I'm not, I'm not horrible. I've, I've qualified for, like yeah. I'm a I'm a, at at qualifying level for world champs. That's probably at the level I'm Far at. Far out, man. But you are at a very good level. Okay, so obviously yeah, you're not terrible. Sponsored, <laughs> you're at that level. I think, um, I think it's also just like, uh, especially in those sports that aren't as dominated professionally. Like you know, AFL is AFL, swimming, yeah. Olympics, that sort of stuff. But triathlons in this weird stage where it's growing so quickly, and I think a lot of the brands in that space are realizing that they can get a lot more bang for buck out of sponsoring someone who's like a, I guess, for lack of a better term, influencer in the age group space than they will out of sponsoring a professional athlete. Um, Because sometimes the professional athletes are just so unrelatable. (laughs) It's impossible to connect with someone who's training 
35 hours a week and the only thing they do is train so mm-hmm. um at least that's the conversations i've had with a lot of these companies because i thought the same thing i was like why are you spont- why do you want to work with me yeah and i think it's just because they were like you're more relatable than yep. the people that we normally sponsor okay has it got anything to do with you having an audience already as well oh, absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah the size of my audience definitely plays a role um yep so yeah, I think that's. I mean, to be honest, like that's that was always something that I I really wanted to, especially when I started making content. I always wanted to get into a world where I could fund my hobbies through my work, <laughs> build a mm. build a brand big enough that I could then go and pursue the things that I you know want to do personally, um, and have it be have it work at least somewhat with my my business. Right. So how you um if we look at so. You- would you say your two major passions in life? Uh, you got the your triathlons, mm. which mate, I don't know anything about. So triathlons is uh, uh, riding, running, and swimming. Is that right? Yeah. So swimming, riding, and running. Um, yep. And I I generally race. My main event is the Iron Distance. So that's the full Ironman distance right. races, which are a, a three point eight k swim, a hundred and eighty bike, and then a marathon. So um, mate. Mate, do you wish that you were alive back in the Nutrigrain days, where Nutrigrain was meant, meant were considered a really healthy cereal? I mean, I used to, I used to. Great. How old are you, man? I'm twenty. I'm about turned twenty seven next Wednesday. Twenty seven. Um, I don't know. Did, was Nutrigrain healthy back in your day then, or are you too young? Because yeah, I'm, I'm thirty eight, and it was. It was like, man, Nutrigrain's healthy shit. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, most of my childhood was yeah. How many wheat bix do you do and Nutrigrain? All that. And I remember yeah. watching like because there's like the Nutrigrain Ironmans, which are like uh, the surf life saving Ironmans, and I always thought that was really cool as well. Yeah, so right. I'm I, I definitely around that age. It's funny. I feel like I was the last. I feel like at 27, I was the last generation mm. to like be before this social media thing. I remember even yeah. in like the end of school, I was still like, "What the fuck is Instagram?" Um, yeah. for me and that yep. wasn't that long ago you know still less than mm. 10 years ago mm-hmm. so you've kind of had you've had a taste it's good because I'm similar man where it's like you've you've grown up to some degree without internet and social media mm. um, and it's absolutely I, I feel that our generation's in the middle where we've had that offline life mm. so we've got a we've got and um, you'd be the same as me where as much as a, a huge part of our life is online, a huge part of our life is offline. And it's like yeah. we need both. Um, I kind of feel sorry for the generation that had born in, been born into socials. And it's just like mm. they can't, they don't have an offline life. They don't know anything else. Everything's yeah. online. Everything's social media. I'm just like, man, it must be a big head fuck. And I, I, I freak out about yeah. um, uh, <clears throat> our kids. We've got a little boy, he's two years old, we'll have more. And I always just think about, man, how's life going to be for them growing into mm. this, you know, coming to this world? Are you, uh, do you um, have kids? Do you plan on having kids? Do you think about that stuff? Uh, no kids at the moment. I think that'll probably be a project <laughs> five, five plus years from now at yeah. least. But um, no, I, I think it like, it's interesting. I think it comes with its own... We had our own challenges growing up and those challenges yeah. were unrelated to what the challenges are now and these challenges will be replaced by new challenges. I think that's just... There's always something that's going to ruin the kids. <laughs> I think that's just like... <laughs> Absolutely, the, yeah. I always. think it's like... It's always something. So 
whether yeah. this is the the thing that ruins the kids or if this is just another thing in a long line of things that were supposed to ruin the kids. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Because um, for every kid that I... For every consequence that I see or, you know, we hear about of, you know, increases in depression, increases in mental health issues and all that sort of stuff that come from constantly being or chronically being online. I think there's mm-hmm. also the stories of like you know, the 13-year-olds who are, like, incredibly prolific in, like, personal finance and are interested in starting investing with their, you know, weekend job at the fish and chip shop. It's like, stuff like that is only because of the internet. That didn't exist, you know, 10 years ago. So, there's mm. there's all the stories on either end where people are using it exceptionally well. Like, some of the kids that I speak to, who are you know 17 18 19 who are getting into what i'm doing it they're unbelievably impressive for how much self-education they're doing um so there is a lot of i think benefits to that and and at least from my experience like i think when i was at school it, it was very there was one path and then even deviating off the path to say a trade was considered a joke like it's like you know if you go to if you were the kid who went to TAFE instead of going to school, like both of my brothers have, it's like even though they're now in a position where they're doing far better than most of their peers, mm-hmm. that was still considered like you're a loser. So mm-hmm. Whereas like for me, being an artist, it's like, okay, you could go and do architecture or figure your life out and try something else. Whereas now I think there's endless opportunities for you to figure out what you want outside of your small little bubble. Like I, I, I think... I had one person in my life when I was at school who just like was the first person to ever go, why don't you just not go to university? Because I was really stressed about it. Yeah, I had no yeah. idea what I wanted to do. And this person mm. just said to me, they're like, you know, you could just like take a year off, right? You could just not go. And no one had ever told me that before. And I think yeah. now with the internet, that enables people to find something or at least view what everyone's doing and look at their options holistically rather than just like, what is everyone in my immediate little circle telling me I should do? Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, I think it's a good thing. But I do I do empathize with the people that... It, it, it's, it's a lot. And I think you have to learn... It's why I think a lot of the, the most prolific people in our space are all either in their late 20s to late 30s, sometimes even older. Um, mm-hmm. And it's because I think you need to live a lot of life to understand how to manage something like social media, where it is a bit of a head fuck, to be honest, having that many eyeballs on your stuff and <laughs> that many people interacting with you and that just that much attention and inputs. I think that could really mess with anyone. Um, so I mm-hmm. do empathize with that side of things as well. Hey, just want to quickly jump in here to tell you about this awesome new training that I've put together. It's called the three steps to get to 10K a month as a coach. Now, if you're a coach and you're currently making under 10K each month and you want to know how you can get there for yourself, how you can be doing 10K months, month after month, then you probably want to check out this really awesome training. I've kept it short, only goes for 14 minutes. You don't even need to opt in, so save your email for another spammer. To watch it, head to www.lukepage.com.au forward slash 10k i'm gonna pop that link in the show notes but anyway let's get back to the episode yeah how have you um how have you kind of dealt with with that with having so many people um i always i think about it myself and i'm like 
Fuck, having a big audience. Like, cause at the moment, I have uh, I have someone on my team who helps me manage my DMs and stuff like that. Mate, yeah, I've got a small audience compared to say what <laughs> you've got, and uh, even that at times gets busy, right? And yeah. I just think about, geez, like imagine having hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, like to unless you're kind of going to do the Gary V thing and try and reply to every single thing, which I don't know how yeah. you can reply to everything, but. Um, yeah, I always think about that. Like when, mm. the, when the time comes when the audience does get so big where I just don't have the time and energy to be getting back to everyone and it's either yeah. they don't, the, the questions and the messages go unanswered um, or they get done by someone who's not me. Some will get done by me. So in regards to you having to deal with it, so how big is your audience at the moment currently? Uh, three, 350,000 on Instagram and then I think it's just shy of 600 across all platforms. Something okay, so, like that. So, so 600k, um, <laughs> mate. How do you deal with that much shit? So, you'd be so you're on you're across. Uh, yeah. Your main thing is Instagram. You got your YouTube as well, don't you? YouTube and TikTok and Threads and Twitter. Yeah. And basically so how everything. the hell do you do it, man? When you got a mean comments coming at you, a mean messages. Like, what do you yeah. do? I think you pick your battles. I think that's yep. something I've always decided to do is just like understand where your time is most effective. So like. If I could put, like, if I was to answer every comment, first of all, it would be more than a full-time job. It'd be 60 hours a week just sitting, answering messages and comments. So that's completely impossible. And then I'm, even if I was to, I've been given the advice of like, you know, just do an hour a day, like sit there for an hour a day and answer comments. And I'm like, well, wouldn't I be so much more effective if I made another video with that hour and then put that out and that impacted hundreds of thousands potentially millions of people Mm. um so i think i've just decided that it's not as much as it does suck because i i know how much i appreciated when i first started commenting on someone's who i admired stuff and having them comment back that was like a massive moment and and i try to remember that especially when i'm getting into dms and stuff i i try to put myself in the shoes of the person that i was when i was starting but i just know that i'm so much more effective if i you know, put more attention into where I have the biggest impact and that's just making more content. And then Mm -hmm. as far as like the mental repercussions of it, I think I, as hard as it is, I see it as a byproduct of my job, not the thing itself. I, I don't really see the audience as, I don't really see the audience as like the goal. The audience is just the byproduct of the work I do. Um, so it is kind of a, a thing that I'm able to compartmentalize quite well. And then I think it's important to have, this is why, you know, training for triathlons and stuff is so important because for a couple hours a day, I get to shut my brain off and not think about it at all, um, yep. which is really important. I think all creators, the creators who go off the deep end per se or have, you know, real severe bouts of burnout usually have nothing else outside of their work. Like their hobby was their work and then their hobby became their work. And now all they do is create content and manage a community and do the social media thing. And then all of their goals, all of their personal self worth, everything that they are is tied into the results that they get, the money they make and the audience they have. And Mm -hmm. all that leads to is a situation where you, yeah, you're like this constantly because that's the game. Like you can post one mm. video one day and it gets 10 million views and the next day you get 10,000. It's like everything in between. Mm. Whereas I think for me, I, I 
the beauty of endurance training at least in a mental aspect is that it's a never-ending goal that i can consistently do every day and challenge myself with and then also gain self-worth out of like if i have a terrible week with work or something's not working out i can just go okay well how was my training this week (laughs) was it good great and i feel good about myself um so i think having that helps a lot but the numbers are crazy and i think the thing you have to try and remember is it's just an indication of impact it's not a reflection of who you are or the quality of human being you are you can you can be a really shit person and have a massive audience as we've probably witnessed hundreds of times so Mm. don't ever let it impact the way that you see yourself it's just a reflection of the work that you've made not anything about you as a person Mm. Um, and as your audience i mean talking about that there as your audience has grown have you has it made you get a little bit more egotistical in ways like okay look at me i've got this type of thing Mm. have you fallen into the trap um sometimes where you know because talking about okay doesn't represent you but Mate, I know how it feels, the difference between when you're getting heaps of attention compared to where you're not. Mate, oh, mate yeah. I've fallen into And I talk about uh, very similar stuff to you in regards to create a life outside your business. Um, yeah. You know, make sure you put things in place so you're not controlled by social media and become super addicted to it. Yeah. And even though I talk about these things, man, I always, if, I, if I'm not constantly focusing on it, mate, I always get pulled back into the trap like everyone else does. Yeah. So... Yeah, have you gone through the same type of thing? Have you found have you found that you've stayed fairly level? Hmm. I think I did. I think I did early days. Like I, I've I started making content consistently, trying to grow an audience in 2016. And I think, yeah, there was a period there where I was like, I thought my shit didn't stink because people liked my artworks, and it was just completely untrue. <laughs> Whereas I think now I've kind of learnt to. Yeah, I've learned to just see it as work. I think like there are situations where things are going really well and you think you're invincible and and I try to just remind myself that, you know, every when things are going well, like you know, your next low is just around the corner and when things are low, then your next high is just around the corner and and without those highs and lows, you don't feel the highs and lows. So trying to remind yourself that that's like it's just like it's just a result it's not it doesn't mean anything really um and then the other thing as well is like i think it's important to have i i think having a legitimate business that's attached to your social media really separates you from like the slot machine that is social media because it is like it's just a slot machine like you post a piece of content and your odds of going viral are between this and this and you just put it up and hope it does well and it's just pulling the slots every day whereas if you've got a business and you are more concerned about how well your content's converting into those people how well are you connecting with the people you're trying to connect with how well do you know your audience how well are you sharing a story that's relatable to that audience i think once you start paying attention to those things those metrics are a lot more predictable and a lot more manageable it's easier to go you know am i sticking to a pretty good conversion rate of people on my audience to people in my email newsletter and am i converting you know a good number of those people into paid products i think that's much more much more sustainable than is my audience growing and am i going viral every month i think i i just 
once I started building a business that was outside of my my I guess content like I don't any I don't earn any money from brand deals or sponsorships or AdSense or anything like that I don't even really do affiliate branding anymore um, once I separated myself from that I really stopped caring about views and follower growth and all that sort of stuff obviously I want my stuff to be you know received well and I'll make sure it's like I'm moving in the right direction but I really couldn't care about one of my videos going viral anymore mm. and I think that that's a a much healthier place to get to than yeah trying to you know when you earn your money and all of your income is based on how many views you're getting that's a pretty toxic place to get to yeah. um, and I think a lot of creators get to that place where yeah brands don't knock unless you get millions of views and that's impossibly difficult to maintain yeah and the amount of pressure that someone would feel if that's the case if you're earning all your money yeah. based off getting views right um be a massive amount of pressure to sustain that and not only the pressure i mean you you'd 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 be pushed into becoming someone who you're not like you'd basically be forced into building a brand and showing up as someone who you're not because not because you're posting things that you want to post about you're posting things to get likes you're posting things to get views you're posting things for things to go viral you're posting things that you know that your audience and the majority of people are going to react to and like so you you kind of like you're pushed into this little um this little this little tunnel this little corner where you've created this business this brand this persona this face who's you know not even really you so yeah it's a tough one hey you, ma- you mentioned about um stories before man i've like through watching some of your content man you're a good storyteller um and i'm just wondering i've got a i've got a, like a big background in sales um and um you know just the way i can tell by the way that you structure your videos when you're telling stories that like you're doing things in a certain way and you're like you're kind of ticking the boxes in like how you should structure a story and i'm just wondering is that something where you've actually gone out there and learned how to tell stories or has this just come naturally to you? Because I know that when I speak um, and when I would uh, when I do videos and things like that, I, I don't, because I've been doing it for so long, I don't consciously go, oh, well, I'm going to do an opener here and, and, and step two, I'm going to talk about my problem in my past and step three, I'm going to talk about the future, blah, blah. I just kind of do things because I've done it for so long. So um, with yourself, have you learned how mm. to tell stories, um, or yeah, has it just kind of just a natural thing? To you? I've I've you know I've read a few you know I've obviously learned like the hero's journey and all those classic things. I've you know st- you know story worthy is a by Matthew Dix is a fantastic book if people want to read something straight away that'll transform their ability to tell stories. But mm-hmm. I actually think that storytelling is just like. It comes from knowing your audience, like knowing your like the people that are going to be watching the video extremely well. And that's something I've worked a lot on, honestly, more so than the structure of my videos. I think focusing on the structure of your videos is, is missing a massive ingredient, which is like, what are you telling and who's receiving it? Because right. if I tell you the best story in the world, but you don't relate at all to the subject matter, it doesn't matter how good of a storyteller I am, you're not going to care. Um, so I think knowing your audience really really well uh is the easiest way to do that and and i've just sort of adopted the mindset of my audience is just a version of me so when i dig into my psyche and find you know an experience i've gone through or something from my past that i can then use as a story it isn't like i'm manufacturing this to you know hit certain 
notes or follow an arc or anything like that. It's it's just me telling a story that I know is going to be relatable to my audience. So almost by by favoring that person, yeah, you might be, you know, there might be a whole bunch of people that don't really relate to that at all. But then the people that do love it. Like if I tell a story that's super relatable about, you know, I told one recently in my email newsletter that went really well. When I was first starting my business, I think I was like three years in, in like 2019. And I went to my friend's birthday at a pub and I was too embarrassed to admit that I was completely fucking broke. I had like 82 bucks in my bank account and I'd been three years into business. So at this stage, all of my friends, like all they would ever ask me is like, how's it going? Like, like any updates, blah, blah, blah. Like so awesome to see that you're going out on your own. And I showed up and I just lied through my teeth. I told them stories about my clients that I had that didn't exist. And then I just completely, I was too embarrassed to either admit that I was broke or make up a story as to why I couldn't afford to drink that night. So when the round, you know, as you go to a pub with a bunch of mates, it's like, whose round is next? And everyone buys a round for everyone. So when it came to me, I went and spent like 120 bucks on a round of drinks for everyone, overdrew my bank account and went home with literally negative 40 bucks in my account. And I told that story and it's like, that's not me manufacturing anything. That's just me telling an actual story from my past. Mm. But it's massively relatable to a bunch of people who have gone through that thing of business where for the first few years, you you really don't know why anything is working or how anything is working. Or if it's not working, you don't know how to make it work. You're just trying to throw shit at the wall mm. um, and see what sticks. And so I think knowing your audience is, first of all, like, understanding the fundamentals of yeah you've got to hook people in you've got to make an open loop and give them the desire to watch the rest of the video and then take them through a transformation of like you know the hero's journey so where you are the problem emphasizing the problem introducing solution all that sort of stuff if you understand those basic fundamentals you'll be great but then just tell stories from your own experience in a really authentic way and as long as you do that you'll relate to your audience really well um, so knowing your audience, I think, is honestly more important than even knowing how to tell stories. Mm. And then what about, say, when you first started your business? What were some of like the um, what were some of like the biggest mistakes that you made um, in the early days of um, getting your business off the ground? Well, I didn't pay my. I told this one actually in my my le- in one of my lessons yesterday. Uh, I didn't pay my taxes for like the first three years of my business. Um, I was only making like, God, I was freelancing. So I was only earning like 50 to 70,000 a year, but that still adds up for three years of not doing it. Mm. So I, um, yeah, I got a big smack on the wrist and a hefty tax bill like three years in because I just had no one in my life who was like, Hey, you need to do this. You should probably speak to an accountant. Like <laughs> yeah. I just, I had no one. So I just like started, I bought an ABN and then I started charging people money. I didn't know I was supposed to have a, like pay GST. I didn't know <laughs> any of this stuff. Yeah. So that was like obviously a big mistake. But I think how, like how long, not, they, how long do they give you to pay back? Oh, so I was, it wasn't actually too bad. I was able to pay it in like four payments over a year. Um, thankfully, I didn't, it wasn't, out of reach for me to be able to pay it at the time um i was also able to uh backtrack and i had some cameras i'd bought and all that sort of stuff so it was like i had some expenses to bring it down a little bit yeah um but yeah the the ato is actually surprisingly understanding um or at least my accountant was able to seem like they were very understanding that i ended up getting but it took some it was like a few months of 
sifting through transactions in personal spending accounts that yeah it was horrible mm-hmm. it sucked mm-hmm. um so that was a big mistake and then yeah. <laughs> i think i think like i think copying not not knowing my purpose for content was a big part like not really understanding what i was trying to achieve like i was i would see other people i i saw you know i grew up watching youtubers when rather than tv like when i was 13 14 i'd watch like fitness influences and stuff and i saw them vlogging their lifestyles and doing whatever they want and i thought that was really impressive and i knew i wanted that but i had no idea what that actually looked like for me so i just was making stuff and in hindsight obviously that was the right move now but i think for a long time i just i looked at what everyone else was doing and did what they were doing rather than figuring out what i actually wanted to do and then following that path so Mm. if anything it took me much longer than it should have to achieve what i achieved um but yeah i I don't know i'd have to dig into i'd have to dig in and figure out the mistakes that i made um i think the thing that i did do well is like i i um i didn't need social media to be my income for a long time uh Mm. I, i freelanced yeah. basically from the day I I took a job as a personal trainer and ended up getting fired like 18 months into that. So <laughs> that wasn't great. But mm. I started freelancing shortly after that and actually really enjoyed freelancing. So I had my wedding business that was wedding videography and then I shot for professional athletes, semi-professional athletes and like sports teams. Yeah. Um, and that just gave me nothing crazy but it gave me enough of an income that i didn't need social media to make me an income and i think that gave me the freedom to be experimental with a lot of my students that i work with now i've i've realized that especially business when it comes to building a brand a personal brand because it's a bit like it is a bit in the beginning where you need to it's abstract with how you figure out exactly what you want to do you have to try some stuff and you have to be okay with failing a lot um, and I think in the beginning, the the less you have to lose, the better. If you can approach the beginning with like, I have nothing to lose. I don't care. I don't need this to work out yet. I just want to try some stuff. Mm. You'll actually do better. Whereas if you go into this with the, the desperate need for, I need to pay my rent next month on my social media income, you're going to make decisions that are short-sighted and won't work out long-term. So... I think the best thing I ever did was, yeah, find a secondary income um, that gave me the opportunity to work on this on the side. Um, and then actually when I took the leap of faith and went full-time, it was during COVID when we were all getting paid JobKeeper. So that was yeah. <laughs> that was my, uh, my parachute for at least the time being. Yeah, very few people can make it work. I mean, there are people out there that... Um given the urgency yeah and the pressure to make things work they will take the action get the result but man there's such like that is such a small minority most people majority of people just won't they'll crack under that pressure i mean if you're forced into hey i have to make this work in three months time or six months time or whatever it is um yeah people just don't make the right decisions yeah they don't play a long-term game uh, they're freaking out. They're operating from a state of yeah. um, anxiety, and um, yeah, yeah it it just doesn't work for majority of people. So having something, um, you know, being in a position where financially you can survive, not only financially but also mentally, yeah. um, and you can play a long term game, that basically puts you in a really awesome position to be able to make it. Because that's the thing is that your biggest biggest 
Yeah, like your biggest um, uh, challenge is basically giving up. So if you can put yourself in a position where you're um, you're you're likely and you're most likely to survive and go the distance, then you gotta, all you got to do is continually show up, and eventually you'll uh, you'll make it work, right? Mm. Now, mate, regarding like how long would you say that it took? Um, until your business started working and started getting results. Yeah. Um, yeah, it took me... So I started in 2016, like just doing photography and digital art. So that was my... I was always a, 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 I was always an all right artist growing up. Like I love painting, I love drawing. But as I said, it's like, you know, that leads to people telling you should be an architect or a designer and that's yeah. it. Um, so I was always okay. And then when I got sort of progressively pushed out of my job as a personal trainer i knew i needed to find something creative again because i was just really unhappy um Mm. so i i found that and to be honest at the time i i just i knew i wanted to build a personal brand or at least a brand around me i wanted to be the voice and talk to camera like i am now but i just didn't have the confidence to do that at all so i started as a photographer sharing my work as like a you know purely just like it'd be cool to grow an audience. And that was the only thought. Um, so I did that for a few years and it got to like 2018, 2019. I was still making no money. Uh, but at this point I was doing a little bit of freelance on the side um, to make money. Right. And uh, I just realized that I actually didn't really like <laughs> being a photographer and digital artist. I didn't like that process that much i liked the reward i really liked the psychology of building a brand i liked you know maintaining my audience and networking with people and all that sort of stuff but i really didn't like that my content was art it didn't feel like i could be myself and i i was felt like i was missing that so in 2020 i ended up like for the first time naively i was like well you know if I don't enjoy it. Maybe if I make a little bit of money, then I'll enjoy it a bit more. So I released Mm. uh, my first course, like my first online course, and it was a massive failure, just like complete failure. I ended up spending, I think it made a little over five grand, but I ended up spending well over 10 uh, to get it off the ground. And it just, yeah, complete failure. So I then sort of realized that I think, digital arts not really for me on social media um and then coincidentally early 2021 was when the whole nft thing happened um and i was right place right time (laughs) with nfts i was a digital artist right at the beginning of that thing so Mm. that was kind of the last hurrah of my career as a as a digital artist i did that for about six months and then mid 2021 I, you know, the same feelings of burnout just came back and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to take this earnings that I earned in NFTs and, and also, you know, the job keeper that I was making on the side. And I just took, I actually took a year off to, um, to, to my Ironman stuff. So th- this was now, I think five years into my journey, uh, in end of 2021, early 2022. Mm-hmm. And then, in June of 2022, I, I just had this realization that, uh, you know, I initially went and applied for a few jobs. I applied for like, I don't know if you know, like map cycling. They had like a creative yeah. role available and turned me down. And then there was a few other places I applied for. And then I just had this moment towards the end of like, I raced my final or the Ironman that was like the thing I was training for in June. And I just had this moment where I was like, well, fuck, if I can 
you know, I really enjoy the training, but I realized how much like my enjoyment was carrying me. Like I was able to do shit that I was like, oh my God, I can, you know, I'm training 25 hours a week and it's a breeze all because I really enjoy it. Um, I was like, well, fuck, if I can figure out a way to do that with my work, I could, you know, I could do anything. So yeah. I then decided to give it one last shot and, and just did it in a way that I was like, I'm going to be the face of the brand. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. I don't really care if it doesn't work out because I've already signed, I've already kind of quit. I can do it again. Mm. And then over the next 12 months, that was like life-changing. It mm. just immediately clicked. I think in hindsight, it, it looks like a, a massive overnight success because there would have been people who had no idea who I was and then discovered me through that. But that was, you know, the six years prior <laughs> had all led to me sort of completely breaking down and then learning all the things that I learned about social media and then coming back and trying this and then it worked out. And then the last two years have been, um, yeah, insane. Um, but it really took, I would say, six years of just failing over and over again to eventually have the last two years. Um, but I think it's, I, I, I say to my students that it's almost like, in every instance I've known, like I have a lot of friends in the space now and then I've also worked with a lot of people and all of them who either have, all of them who have maintained the best success or the most sustainable success because there's a difference between people who blow up in their first year, but they know nothing about business. They know nothing about, you know, managing their community. They know nothing about building a brand. They just got really lucky. Yeah. It's like those people come crumbling down just as quickly all the people that I know who have become legitimately successful usually had fa countless failures over and over and over again. And it's almost like this invisible wall that you have to climb where you don't know how tall it is. You don't know how long it's going to take you to get over it, but you have to get over it. And there's no mm -hmm. choice but to keep climbing. And mm -hmm. eventually you'll get to the top and eventually you'll get to the other side. And with all of that climbing, you'll learn all of the lessons that will help you maintain success. Because I think a common misconception is like, or at least this was what I thought when I was first starting out is that success would be this place I would arrive at and then it would be sorted. It's like, oh, I'm successful now. Yeah, Whereas done. business really is continually refinding success. Mm. Yeah. So you don't just find it and get there. You have to continuously read like, you know, all the money, I could earn all the money in the world this year and it means absolutely nothing about what I do next year. Mm. Next year is a whole new year where I've got to refind everything I've found this year. So... I think understanding that can kind of give people the knowledge to go like the best line that I've heard so many times is like the most successful people, you know, aren't, they're not good at avoiding failure. They're friends with failure. They've failed so many times that they don't give a fuck. Like failure is just another part of their lives. Whereas where you're like, while you're terrified of failing, they could not give a fuck. And I think that's mm. a beautiful thing that you can lean into is, is that knowledge of no matter how how terrible I feel at the thing of the thing that I'm doing, no matter how many failures I've been through, it's just you're just one step closer to figuring out or climbing over that wall, yeah, um, to a place where you now have the ingredients to sustain whatever you want. Mm, oh man, like it, mate. It took me until my 30s to become okay with failure. Like I'm I'm 37 now, and I've been on the um, mate. I, I I started pursuing my vision when I was 16 years oh, old, wow. right? So um, I've been in the active pursuit 
of my vision for over 20 years. Um, and I, throughout this whole journey, oh man, I've like <laughs> taken so many different turns, like finding myself, losing myself, getting off track and then rediscovering, yeah. okay, what's, what's uh, close to my heart. And um, man, I used to do everything possible to avoid failure. Like it was yeah. like, it was almost like my mission. Like Luke, you have to always appear confident and strong and certain and in control <laughs> and like never show any vulnerability or anything yeah. like that. Um, and uh, I mean, as you know, if that's the kind of the way that you operate, you're never going to ever get anywhere close to your potential. You're always going to yeah. get roadblocks somewhere. Um, when I'm, you know, I've always like grown up, my parents, um, they've owned a business since I was a kid. So I just thought, you know, my, it's just normal for me. I'm just like, okay, well, you know, you, you grow up and you, build a business it's always been like my identity i guess to run a business and i um growing up man i would have all these different businesses and i'd launch something and it would grow and then i would hit a roadblock and um then i'll be like oh then i've got this new idea over here and then what i was doing was that i was avoiding failure and i was kind of hiding it like you know i was hitting a roadblock in a business and then going oh there's a chance here that it could fail so, so I don't fail, I'm going to go look over here. I've got this new idea. And in my mind, I was saying that that's not failing. I've just got this newer, better, shinier object to follow. Um, so, yeah, man, it wasn't until my 30s until I started being okay with failure. And since then, everything changed, yeah. Um, so, it's such a massive thing. Now, kind of getting back to like your first, your launch, which is like the, you know, your first big failure in your business. Um, a mm. lot of a lot of people listening to this has probably tried to launch their um, yeah. program, right? And um, they maybe it hasn't turned out like they expected. They haven't got the amount of clients or made the amount of money that they they mm. thought that they should have been made. Yeah, they should have made. Um, what were you thinking back when you had that launch? Um, what was going through your mind, and how did you pick yourself up? to get yeah. out of it because I think it's a huge one for people listening to this because if you've launched multiple times you're going to have launches that don't uh, go well mm. um, so I think having the right mindset to kind of pick yourself out of it it's a big one so how'd you go through all that? To be honest I that, that failure did that was interesting because that failure did feel like the nail in the coffin of my career that was the whole catalyst that led to that downfall of like deciding i was done with my brand at the time because it was like if you scroll back far enough my page it's a hard 180 between like it's just digital art and then there's like one photo of me crossing the finish line of my iron man and then it's me talking (laughs) to camera and it's just like it's a hard 180 degree turn and between Uh that it was Uh like a full year of posting nothing so that failure no transition um that failure was yeah that was like the nail in the coffin for me i Mm. i felt like at least but it's in looking back now with the business i built now is very similar to that model and i've realized that i was just early i'd made the mistake of spending way too much money on my version one like Mm -hmm. five grand would have been a massive success if i just pulled it back didn't go as hard in version one and then did a version two, three, four, five, and then eventually invested that kind of money. Like, you know, my last launch that I did, I think we invested mm, 
like an amount of money that I would have been mm. like blown away by yeah. if it had made in that first launch. Yeah. But now the launches are making a multiple of that on a level that that version of me wasn't even capable of comprehending. Mm. But all the lessons that I learned from that or all the lessons that I have now, I could have made that successful with what I know now. And that comes back to like failure just teaches you the lessons that will help you maintain success in the future. Um, so the feeling I had at the time was, yeah, this is, oh, this is it. This is <laughs> the nail in the coffin. But coming back to it was almost like it taught me what not to do. And then what I have now was a case of like, okay, let's start with something I can sink a weekend into and something I can launch on Monday and have sold out by Friday and then do on the weekend. And we'll have a version two by the end of the month. It's like that's mm. become my whole mindset now. I never... I never get out of my skis anymore with new products that I'm launching. It's always testing the market, testing the market, testing the market. Um, So getting through that, I think was, Mm. I think picking myself back up after that was a case of, it it took me another two years to get to the point where I was like, okay, let's try something else. Um, But it did teach me the lesson of, yeah, don't, don't throw yourself off a, you know, don't throw yourself off the edge before you have at least a pretty good idea that there's a parachute strapped to your back, um, <laughs> especially with a launch. I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is they they look at what you might be doing yourself or you, they look at what I might be doing right now and they compare that to where they are without realizing like, don't look at what I'm doing, look at what I did. Like look at the first version of the things that I did and look at how I started and then how I slowly incrementally built it to what it is now. Like I I wasn't capable of doing, I love the line like, yeah, you're not capable of doing what I do, but neither was I like Mm. six years ago. (laughs) So if, if I wasn't capable of doing it and I'm capable of doing it now and you weren't capable of doing it, but you're capable of doing it now, then everyone listening to this right now can do basically anything they want you're just not ready yet um so do what the people that you admire did not what they're doing if you if someone you admire has like a you know a massive i don't know coaching business and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month it's like they started by convincing one person to trust them enough to impress them and then give them an amazing testimonial and then they use that testimonial to get one more person and then two and then four and then six and then eight and then before they knew it, two years later, they had a full full book of clients that were happy and willing to pay them. Yeah. Um, but I think people are so overwhelmed by that first, you know, they look at the, what someone's doing now and they go, well, fuck, I couldn't, I couldn't do a, you know, multi-stage launch with ad revenue and uh, with ad spend and all these things that go into launching a product it's like yeah you couldn't there's no chance you could Mm. but you don't have to yeah you just need to do what you can do now um so yeah it was it was it took a long time (laughs) it was probably unfair it's probably an unfair example i think because i did actually quit after that i just came back eventually mate you came back from the dead Hey, I hope you're enjoying today's episode so far. Make sure you click subscribe to stay up to date because we release a new podcast every single week. And if you're getting value out of this, then share it. Share it with the world. Share it with someone that you know that would also benefit from it. And hey, tag us over on Instagram at Luke underscore page and we'll give you a shout out for the support. Thank you so much. Let's get back into this. So what? So you've basically been going for about eight years now in your business. 
Yeah, this is my coming up. Uh, August will enter my eighth. Sorry, August will enter my eighth year. Um, so this, we're getting towards the end of my seventh year. Right, so it's almost like the first six years for you was where you're just developing and growing the strong roots. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the strong roots were growing underneath the surface. You couldn't yeah. see it, but you're building these strong foundations. And it wasn't until a roughly the six-year mark where mm. the things they started sprouting out of the ground, where you could see it, the results came. And then from the six to eight-year mm. mark, that's where everything started working for you. So. Um, where do you see mm. yourself in, say, five years? And what's your plans and where do you think you're going to take things? Um, I, I I, kind of have a bit of an idea, but to be honest, I like to just, whenever I get overwhelmed with like, what do I want to do five years from now? I just look back five years and I go, well, I five years ago, I wasn't even able to comprehend what I'm doing now. So mm-hmm. as long as I keep doing, as long as I keep trusting myself and trusting my gut, five years from now will be a place that I'm, not even able to imagine right now. Um, so in that sense, I'm happy to keep moving the needle. And as long as I keep moving the needle, then I'll be okay. But at the same time, I'd yeah. love to... I would actually love to go down the route of being an author, writing books, doing that whole thing and becoming more of a, I guess, a, a representative of an idea rather than representative of a brand. I think that would be really cool. Like I've always... Um, really admired people like Tim Ferriss, Ryan Holiday, those sort of guys that have become known for something beyond themselves. Um, yeah. So something like that I think would be really cool and you know, I'm sure that won't be too far in my future. But at the moment, I'm honestly just trying to build my personal brand as big as I possibly can to then move that into something um, that I feel aligned with in the future. If that means mm. you know, starting some kind of business then absolutely if that means continuing to do what i'm doing now or it's just a personal brand that has a a business that is still very much attached to myself but i'm i'm starting to realize especially that um i'm starting to really fall in love with uh the process of yeah i'm starting to really fall in love with the process of of building a brand that it means something more than just like your follow account i think like yeah. investing in ideas investing in the way that people perceive my my brand and then also just continuing to try new things like you know fuck maybe two years from now i'll take another year off and just go and sink my teeth into a massive iron man build and <laughs> i'll disappear <laughs> for a year and people will be like where's he gone confused where's he gone who knows yeah who knows it's almost I, like you don't want to be stuck doing one thing yeah yeah exactly options. who knows to be honest i'm i'm i've never been I have like a, yeah, I, I, I more have like a 20, 30 year vision of what I want to be more so than what I want to do. And as long as I keep moving the needle, as I said, it's like I'm pretty confident I'll end up somewhere that I'm pretty happy with. Um, so I'm not too worried about. Obviously, I have, you know, the, for the next 12 months, I have goals I'm looking to hit. I have metrics I want to hit and, and things that I want to do. We've planned out basically the entire year. Um, and I'm sure I'll do the same thing next year. But as far as five years from now, yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows, to be honest? Yeah, I, I'm just like, I think about my future and like I'm massively vision-led. I'm always thinking about the future. But one thing I know about myself is I just like var- var- um, variety and I I, I, I would yeah. hate to be Freedom. like 
like stuck in doing one thing my whole life and who knows yeah i've got this vision yeah. by 2030 where um we've created the greatest program for coaches in the world type mm. thing but mate i just know that i'm always going to be doing something else like even now like even my main thing is helping coaches but i still do other stuff i still do help other types of people and businesses and everything like that mm. Mm. so just having the variety to be able to do what you want um, and I think by having and building a personal brand, that gives you options to be able to do that. Mm. Um, if you've got a personal brand, hey, you can go in there and launch an actual physical product if that's what you want to do. Um, so, mm. no, I think we're pretty similar from that extent, man. It's almost like, hey, it doesn't really matter yeah. um, where we end up. Uh, as long as we become the person, the right person who we need to be, um, we'll figure it out. All right, Tommy, mate, what a chat, man. Great insight into how you've built your business yeah. and you know the things that you've gone through how you've yeah. got yourself out of it anyone listening to this they want to check you out uh when can they find you man just tom noski ever online n-o-s-k-e um yeah yeah everywhere online and yeah if you have if you enjoy what you see have a click around join my email list and keep snooping and i'm sure you'll find something yeah Having for. a snoop snoop and then uh, send Tommy a uh, DM and you never know, he might respond to you. I do actually get into, I do get into my DMs every now and again. It's hard because like it's full of bullshit to be honest, especially right now as <laughs> yeah. every yeah. 17 to 18 year old kid telling me I need to start a private community and trying to sell me on, you know, a 30% deal that he'll take, you know, all the <laughs> content I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah. But if you send me a good DM, I'll answer it. <laughs> All right. Make sure you figure out what you need to say in that first line so it grabs his attention so he can reply to you. Thanks, Tommy, mate. Thanks for Pleasure. coming on. Pleasure being here. Hey there. I hope you loved today's episode. If you did, I would really appreciate if you could leave us a review on the platform that you're listening to this on right now. You see, your help and support allows us to spread this podcast across the world. And we can't do it without you. Apart from that, make sure you're following us over on Instagram at Luke underscore page.